So let me get into the word today. Uh, and, and as you probably guessed, unless you're tuning in for the first time, that I'm coming to you live from my basement here at our home as we enter week five of the shelter in place. My lovely wife is uh, running tech today. And so you guys can say hi to Shannon as she's off camera. But we are experiencing, all of us, week after week, some major disruptions to our lives. Those of you who've been laid off or your hours have been cut, you experience disruption to your livelihoods, your schedules, your regular rhythms, and more. And we've sort of been waiting this thing out, uh, just hoping that any day now they'll make the announcements that will allow us to go back uh, to normal. And I remember, I forget, maybe it was Friday that we got, we all got these crushing emails for those of us who have kids in the school systems in the state of Illinois and perhaps outside of Illinois, um, that the schools won't be reopening uh, until perhaps the fall is signaling more disappointment, signaling more sadness and probably a host of other um, uh, emotions for a host of different reasons. And you add this on top of the confusing bickering that we see happening between the White House and the regional and local government officials. And you couple that with the bands of protesters that have taken to the streets and claiming that this virus is a hoax, some of them wearing masks and gloves, which is a little bit confusing. Uh, if you live in states like Michigan or Kentucky or Wisconsin or Maryland or Texas or Ohio, you've seen these protests uh, take place. You couple that with millions of Americans clamoring for unemployment benefits and you couple that with the billions of dollars in aid that was set aside for churches like ours and small businesses that just sort of evaporated and it's all those that money is gone and you couple that with the pictures of people and families lined up at, at food banks because they are struggling to feed their families um all these things have unfolded this week uh, that have likely dashed our hopes uh that this crisis would be coming to and in soon. And if I could just be transparent with you this morning, I, I feel this thing this week in ways that I haven't felt it in previous weeks. I'm, I'm not complaining. Uh, I'm just saying that I'm, that I'm over this. <laughs> I got a text from a few pastors this morning as we've just been supporting each other and leaning on each other. And a few of them just say, hey, listen, I'm, oh, I'm so over this. I'm ready to be back to our regular rhythms. And what I realize as I sit with that, as I'm more honest and introspective, what I realize today is that if I don't shift to another gear with this thing, I I'm going to be in trouble. If I don't shift into another gear of faith, another gear of hope, if I don't shift to something, I'm going to be in trouble emotionally. I'm going to be in trouble spiritually. Uh, I'm going to be in trouble relationally with the people I share this space with. And is there anybody else feeling the same way this morning? Anybody else feeling the pinch of this crisis this week in ways that you didn't feel in you know, week one or week two or week three of this? And here's the thing. Anybody can go through something unpleasant for a short stretch, right? Most of us can go through something unpleasant, something hard for a short stretch. But the reality is it takes something special to gracefully go through something that lasts for a while particularly something that is unpleasant and it, ha it is undefined. You don't know when it's going to end. There's no real end in sight. It takes a special grace, a special something to go through some, to have an extended stay in trial and in suffering. It takes something outside of us to endure 
uh, unpleasant circumstances or crisis like this for a long time. And if you're like me and you're willing to be honest with me this morning, you might say, you might agree that you need some more strength this morning. That you might have been fine week one, week two, week three, week four, but as you enter week five, if you're right here with me today, you might say, I need some new strength this morning. I need my strength to be renewed. If that's you, you're in good company because that's where I am this morning. If that's you, you come to the right place because that's the subject for this morning. If you're just looking for something to call this message this morning, I'm calling it Renew Your Strength. I want to look at a passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 40. I want to start at verse 28 and go through verse 31. Renew your strength. How many of you need renewed strength this morning? I do. And I believe this text will give us some insight as to how to do that. Isaiah chapter 40. Hopefully you can follow along with your Bibles or your tablets or something like that. But I'm going to read it here. It says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find what? New strength. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I think this is a fitting text for the times that we're in today. And I'm going to assign you to just read the whole chapter of Isaiah 40 for homework because you really get the richness and fullness of this short portion that we read if you read the whole chapter and read it in context. But this is one of those texts that you just have to soak in, right? This is one of those texts that you just had to take your time with because that's the sort of week we've had. That's the kind of week it's been. Uh, We just need to soak in these comforting, challenging, informative words from the pages of Scripture. We need to soak in this. It's helpful to understand that this section of Scripture uh, in the prophetic book of Isaiah, uh, this section of chapter 40 through 66, is a section that provides a, a message of comfort and hope to God's people. This section of the book of Isaiah also serves as a means to reveal who God is, his character and his nature. These words that we've read in context are aimed at a people who will be experiencing extreme and persistent harassment. Most of it is God's judgment against them for their rebellion, uh, but they would be exiled and captured by their enemies, the Babylonians. And so these words are for a harassed and helpless people whose lives have been disrupted and their familiar comforts and their familiar surroundings and their familiar rhythms have been disrupted. These words are aimed at them. Now, don't read this as a commentary on whether or not this is God's judgment or whether or not God sent the COVID virus. I'm not trying to touch that today. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm simply talking about these words should serve uh, to comfort and inform us in the ways that it would have Uh, informed and comforted the original audience. And while we aren't exactly in the same boat, we're not exiled, we're not uh, experienced religious persecution, I think we can digest these words. 
I think we can find some encouragement. And I think we can find in these words a faithful reminder of who God is and what he has for us. And so I want to stroll through these few verses today in the hope that we might, as we digest it, we might find some new strength to run another mile on this thing. So a few things stand out in this text. The first thing that stands out is that the prophet Isaiah, in this short uh, portion that we read, he starts with a few important questions. And these questions that he asks uh, indicate how essential the surrounding information is, how basic this knowledge is or should be to this audience, which is God's people, which I believe includes us because these words are fitting for us. He begins in verse 28 with, have you never heard? Have you never understood? And this is a really important question. And to help you understand this question, I'll illustrate it this way. Imagine you go into Walmart uh, today after our live stream and you look around and you see, you know, three fourths of the people wearing masks and you, you find three fourths of the people wearing gloves and you look at the checkout line and there's six feet in between each person and you casually walk up to somebody and you say, well, what's with all the masks? What's with the gloves? What's with this space between the line? And you, wh what do you think they might say to you? How do you think they might react? First of all, they might push you back and say, hey, give me about six feet. They might hit you with the Lysol first, but they would wonder, they would, be, they would wonder, like, why don't you know this? It would be strange to them that this question that you're asking, this information that you're seeking, it would be strange to them that you don't know it because it's so common, right? It's so widely understood why people are wearing masks. It's so widely understood why people are wearing gloves and trying to keep an appropriate social distance. It would be obvious to everybody and it would be curious to them why you wouldn't know that. They might say, haven't you heard? Don't you understand what's going on, right? So in the same way, this is what Isaiah is saying to God's people about the things that he's about to lay on him. Don't you know this already? Don't you understand this already? In other words, he's saying it's a problem that you've never heard this, if you've never heard it. And if you've heard it before, and if you've understood it previously, it is a problem that you have forgotten this. And this whole forgetting is really important, particularly to people of faith, because you hear me say often that our circumstances, our trouble, our crisis, the things that bother us and harass us can often cause us to forget things that we knew about God. Truth about his strength and his might and his ability and willingness and desire to deliver us, our circumstances can cause us to forget. That's why we meet so regularly. That's why we sing these worship songs all the time, because it's so easy, it's so easy to forget. And the prophet Isaiah is saying, it's a problem that you don't know this. It's a problem that you have forgotten. And so we should listen in more closely because what happens next is the prophet Isaiah gives us a, a short intensive on who God is. He said, you should know this. Don't forget this. Don't forget what? That the Lord is the everlasting God, like we just sang about. He's the creator of the earth. He never grows weak or weary, and no one can measure the depths of his understanding. Now, let's just break that down for a moment, because I think those are things are very important. And if you like me, you've been in the church your whole life. You've heard these words, and they just kind of feel like white noise. And sometimes we just need to walk 
slowly through this truth again so that we can remind ourselves of the things that are weak or our circumstances or the crises have caused us to forget the everlasting God. In other words, the uncreated one. He was here before it all started. He'll be here when everything gets shut down. He's all powerful. He's almighty. He has longevity and staying power. He's the everlasting God. He doesn't stop there. He continues by saying he's the creator of all things. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the architect of all of this. And he is the commander in chief of all that he has made. He doesn't stop there. He continues by saying he never grows weak or weary. In other words, he has infinite stamina. He has infinite strength. He's got endurance for the ages. Now, if you're like me at this point, you might be experiencing two extreme emotions. One is awe and wonder. And the other is I'm slightly annoyed. Two extreme emotions, right? As I consider that he's the everlasting God. He's the creator of it all. He's got infinite power and stamina and strength and might. I'm on all those words because I believe it. I'm annoyed by those words for this very reason. I'm in my basement right now preaching to a camera. Uh, Crisis and the surrounding issues has got me in my basement talking to a camera that my tech guys came and set up for me. And I'm communicating to you, God's people, as you sit in your living room, probably still in your jammies, or you sit at the dining room table, or you're still in bed, or you're out on the back deck, and we can't gather in the building that God gave us. I'm slightly annoyed by something that is of the earth, something that was created, a virus, some organism. It's frustrating the lives and the freedom and the ability to gather and worship of God's people. I am bothered by that. And you might fill in the blank that whatever thing is bothering you, whatever created person or created thing or earthly circumstance might be frustrating the life of somebody who loves and follows God. You might be experiencing that same degree of annoyance. And basically what we're saying is no disrespect, Lord, but but if I were God, I'd do it differently. (laughs) If I were God, I wouldn't I wouldn't allow this piddly little virus This small thing, relatively speaking, particularly when we put it up against God's grandeur and his power and his might, the commander in chief of it all, I wouldn't allow this piddly thing to wreak havoc on the entire world. I do something about it. Well, before I can sit in that too long, I'm arrested by what Isaiah says next. He begins that the Lord is the everlasting God, creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. But then he adds this one sentence that just puts me in my place. He says, no one can measure the depths of his understanding. (laughs) No one can measure the depths of his understanding. What does that mean? If I'm going to put it just plainly, he's saying God's smarter than you, Gino. God, God is smarter than you, Shannon. God's smarter than you, David. God is smarter than you, Jordan. God's smarter than you, Mike. 
He's smarter than you. There is no searching his understanding. And I think whenever I get to thinking about how I would do something differently, I'm reminded that he's the everlasting God. He's been here from the beginning. He'll be here when it ends. He's created all these things with his power and wisdom. He's got the staying power of almighty God. And he has a vantage that is far better than mine. And what that reminds me is that my uh, be obedience and hope and faith and trust should not be dependent on whether or not I understand God. I might think that it's a good thing that an infinite person like myself, who will be born and die one day, can't fully understand an infinite great grand God that I can't possibly begin to search the depths of his understanding. I take comfort in that. There's no searching his understanding. I used to say a lot, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about that. (laughs) When I see the Lord, I'm going to ask him about that because that doesn't make any sense. I'm confused about that. The Lord's going to have to explain himself to me. But the more and more I think about it, I realize that when I get to heaven, when I see him face to face, I got my list of questions. When I step off the elevator and the doors open, my mouth's probably going to be agape at his glory and the grandeur of it all. And my list of questions might fall out of my hand and the Lord might ask me, hey, did you have something to ask me? You had some questions? You had some things you wanted to press me about? And all I might be able to mumble is, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, because I'll be overwhelmed by his glory and the bigness of God. What is my point? God is smarter than you and me. Sure, we might choose to do things differently from our vantage point, from our earthly standpoint. But if we had God's vantage point, if we had his wisdom, if we knew what had happened and what will come next, which we don't, we probably wouldn't do anything differently. And so once the prophet establishes this essential knowledge about God, I love that he brings it all down to earth so that the humans can interact with it. He describes God's power. He describes God's strength. He describes God's stamina. He proceeds to describe God's unsearchable understanding or wisdom. Then he says, God gives his power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Now remember who he's talking to. Remember who he's talking about. He's talking about his distressed, bullied, exiled, busted, beat up, captive, afraid, anxious, tired people. And some of us fit that bill. And I think that these words can be aimed at us. That God gives great strength to those who are weak. Strength to those who are powerless. He makes all of his strength, all of his heavenly assets available to those of us who are struggling. That speaks to me. That encourages me. But if I'm honest, I got this issue. Um, I really don't like to identify with weakness. I, I really don't like that word to be associated with me. Am I the only one? I, I, you know, when somebody, when somebody mentions my name, I want them to think strong, capable, in command, able, right? I don't want them to think weakness. 
And we've grown up in the West, in America, who value strength and might and power. And so we, we don't readily want to be associated with weakness. There's a stigma on weakness that might cause us to miss out on what God might have to offer us. But then Isaiah does something so helpful as we press through this. He, he normalizes weakness. He normalizes weakness. He says, in essence, I know we don't like to be associated with weakness. I know we don't like to be called weak. But he says in verse 30, even youths will become weak and tired. And even young men will fall in exhaustion. In other words, he's saying even the people that we consider to be the picture of strength and stamina, even those guys will get weak. Even those guys will fall to fatigue and exhaustion. He normalizes fatigue. He normalizes weakness. He puts us all in the same boat. And I've said to you for weeks that I feel a little bit better about my circumstance. I feel a little bit better about my trial. I feel a little bit better about my crisis if I know that we're all dealing with the same thing and we are all in the same boat. We're all in this together and we are all human and therefore we are all given to weakness fatigue, and being tired. And now that he's established that, since we all have the same need, it might also follow that we all require the same solution, right? And then he proceeds to offer us the solution. Because everybody gets tired, even youths will get weak. He said, but those who trust, if you can underline that word in your Bible, or highlight it on your tablet, those who Trust. Another version might say those who hope in the Lord will find what? They will find new strength. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That word trust there is a word that describes saving faith, our faith, right? And so if you've been with me any length of time, you know I describe faith as leaning the full weight of your whole life on God. I've said many times that as a bigger guy, I just don't, I just don't sit in any old chair. Before I sit down, I want to inspect the thing, make sure it'll hold all of this, right? And so in the same way, uh, for those who trust in God and those who have faith in God, like real deep and abiding faith, in essence, we're taking the full weight of our life, our resources, our cares, our worries, our future, our relationships, our parents, our sickness, this, our, our kids, our, our, our crises. We're taking the full weight of all that, uh, you know, all that makes up who we are, and we're choosing to lean the full weight of that, sit it down on the Lord because we believe that he can handle it. The trust means to rest. The trust means to take a load off. The trust means to cast your cares. It means to walk with him and let him help you carry this load. Now something amazing happens as we walk with him, as we trust him, as we let him carry the load. You might, you might do like what my kids do when they're walking and they say, dad, could you hold this for me? This is too heavy. And sometimes I take the item, but other times I ask them, well, what are you doing with this in the first place? We're going out to the park and they want to bring the Xbox. They want to bring all this non-essential stuff. And they say, Dad, can you carry this for me? This is too heavy. And what I say 90% of the time is, no, put that stuff down. You don't need that where we're going. 
And so I believe a good part of trusting the Lord is to give him our cares and our burdens and the things that harass us and make us feel helpless. But loads and loads of that stuff, the Lord will challenge whether or not we need to be carrying it in the first place. Because some of us have grown weary and some of us have grown tired just because we're just living normal life. We're fighting the good fight. But others of us are tired and we're worn out and we're burnt out, perhaps because we're carrying things that we've never been meant to carry. We're holding on to things that we've been never uh, intended to carry. We are traveling with things that we aren't built to carry and we grow tired and we grow weary and in trusting God, we seek to hand him that stuff. He said, no, I'm not going to hold that and you don't hold it either. Let's lay this thing down. And I think this is a big part of what it means to trust God with our life and trust God with our stuff. Trust that he will carry what needs to be carried to help you carry the things that need to be carried. But he might also lovingly say, no, you, you need to put that down. Uh, that, we don't need that where we're going. That, that's wearing you out, right? Trust. For those who trust in God, they what? They find new strength. I don't know about you, but this is where I am today. I need to shift into a new gear because I need another, I need another gear of faith to, 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 to go another month, another two months of this. And maybe this particular crisis isn't the thing that is bothering you the most. Maybe you're cooped up with some folks. You're having some family drama. You, you, you got, you're sick in your body. You're running out of money. You're depressed and you, you can't figure out what's going on. Maybe your thing isn't related to COVID-19 at all. But whatever it is, the scriptures tell us that those who put their trust in the Lord will find new strength. Now, here's what this says to me. Why would we need new strength? Because the battle's not over. <laughs> because there are yet miles to walk. For those of us who follow Jesus and for those of us who are pressing into this thing, there's yet more work to be done. If you continue reading verse 31, it says, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This is what they're going to do with this new strength. They're going to continue fighting the good fight. They're going to continue dealing with trials and pressures and enemies. They're going to continue to occupy into Christ's returns. There's still more work to do. And this is why we need new strength. And so I just wonder who is listening to me today that would say, preacher, that's me. I, I need some new strength. I'm at the end of my emotional rope. I'm at the end of my spiritual rope. Some of you are sick in your bodies. I need a breakthrough. Like, like, how do I get that? Those who trust in the Lord, those who lean on him will find new strength. Now, I uh, I realize that doing a live stream, that means there's a wide range of people listening and watching today. Sold out Christians who have come to the end of their rope and they need to lean on the Lord again, oppress into devotions again, oppress into worship, and really consider what it means to lean the full weight of their life on Jesus. And there are those at the opposite end of the spectrum, those who have never really had a saving faith in Jesus. You never trusted the Lord to be your Lord and Savior. So all this is new to you. And everything else in between, whomever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, if you need new strength, the Lord offers it to all of us today. We simply need to put our trust in him. We simply need to trust him with our load and we can avail ourselves of his 
everlasting power and wisdom, his infinite stamina and strength, all that can be ours if we will trust in the Lord. And so my prayer for each and every uh, one of you, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, is that you would find new strength as you find a new gear of trust and hope and faith in the Lord. My prayer is that you would make yourself uh, make that available, make that uh, uh, make yourself available to God's strength. And so I want to close this in a word of prayer, but I also want to remind you if you need prayer ministry uh, or if you need to talk to somebody or you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you need somebody to pray with you for whatever you might need as a means to respond to this, you can simply email us at info at South Suburban Vineyard Church and somebody will contact you right away and pray with you and uh, minister to you in a way that is appropriate and that is necessary for you. Let me close this in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your strength. Thank you for your might. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for uh, all the things that you offer us if we would simply put our trust in you. And as the battle rages on, as this crisis persists, Father, we don't know what's ahead. All we know is that we cannot do this without you. We can't go through this successfully without you. And we say, come Holy Spirit, come in your strength, come in your power, grant us wisdom so that we would soar, as the scripture says, on wings as eagles, that we will run and not grow weary, that we might walk and we won't faint. Teach us how to trust you. Teach us how to lean on you, a community of brothers and sisters. Give us strength for the fight. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. Hey, God bless you. I look forward to connecting with you this week. Um, If you need something, you need prayer, you need help, you need resources, uh, reach out to us at info at South Suburban Venue.org. God bless you, and I'll see you later.